Can you give us a station ID? They'll kill me if I don't, I don't ask. I'd hate to see you killed. This is Steve Robinson, temporarily back on Earth, in Davis on KDVS 90.3. This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. Welcome. The Star Tribune in Minneapolis called it shocking. The Times Literary Supplement called it lively and audacious. The New York Sun labeled it tantalizing. They're all talking about uh, the book Shakespeare by Another Name. We'll be talking with its author in segment two today, Mark Anderson. The book is subtitled The Life of Edward de Vere, Earl of Oxford, The Man Who Was Shakespeare. And uh, we've, uh, we've alluded to this issue a, a bit in some of our previous shows, and we've been looking forward to talking to Mark for quite, uh, quite some time. Sarah Smith, author of Chasing Shakespeare's, said, quote, without exaggeration, this is the most important Shakespeare biography of the past 400 years. That's coming up in segment two today. Let us start segment one, as we like to do, with this date in history, this date being September 21st. On September 21st, in 480 B.C., Persian king Xerxes pillaged Athens. On September 21, 1348, riots against Jews spread to the Swiss cities of Bern, Shalon, and Zurich. Jews were blamed for the plague after Jews under torture in Switzerland said they'd been given poison to place in wells in Venice. Yes, sad but true. Certain people under torture confessed to starting the plague by putting poison in wells, which led to anti-Semitic riots across Europe, leading one to conclude that perhaps confessions gained under torture aren't necessarily the best pieces of information. The plague, of course, is caused by Yersinia pestis, a bacteria which lives on fleas carried by rats. The poisoning of wells did not produce the disease. And on this date, September 21st, 1949, after winning the Chinese Civil War, a triumphant Mao Zedong announced the Communist Party will lead China's new government. And speaking of Walmart, when you buy all those Chinese-produced goods at such a cheap price, you should keep in mind that the Chinese Communist Party is still in control of the government. And yes, we should point out that in Chairman Mao's workers' paradise, people get paid $2 a day while living in, uh, in dormitories for the benefit of the various uh, factory consortiums that basically link up, uh, well, American capitalists and Chinese communists. This does cause goods to be produced at a remarkably low cost due to the minimal expenses that are paid for labor, but certainly does cause some distortions in the world economy, a subject we will return to in future programs. And our quote of the day comes from Venezuelan President 
Hugo Chavez. That's that's normally pronounced Hugo, but for some reason the Spanish language abandoned the letter H some time ago. President Chavez addressed the UN General Assembly yesterday and referring to George Bush's appearance in the assembly the day before said as follows, quote, Yesterday the devil came here, right here, and it smells of sulfur still today, this table that I'm now standing in front of. Yesterday, ladies and gentlemen, from this rostrum, the President of the United States, the gentleman to whom I refer as the devil, came here talking as if he owned the world, truly, as the owner of the world, unquote. The moment may not be become as famous as Nikita Khrushchev's uh, finger-waving, shoe-thumping outburst uh, back in the Cold War era, but apparently did cause uh, some consternation in the assembly hall. We at Radio Parallax would like to state for the record that although we have agreed with the previous assessment that George Bush may well be the worst president in the history of the United States, and we've said in previous programs that he certainly is a candidate for being the dumbest president in the history of the United States, we think it is going too far to call George W. Bush Satan incarnate. Our thanks to the immortal Keith Richards and Mick Jagger for that uh, perennial favorite of this program. And Mr. McMillan, would you please cue up some appropriate music for our statistic of the day? Yes, according to the Time SRBI public affairs poll, 61% of Christians in the U.S. believe that God wants them to be financially prosperous. 31% also believe that if you give money to God, God will bless you with more money. And 21% believe material wealth is a sign of God's blessing. We would like to remind those 21% of Americans that according to Matthew 19.24, quote, I tell you the truth, it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Here at Radio Parallax, we take no official stance on the position of how easy it is to get into the kingdom of God depending upon your state of material wealth. We would only at this point like to cite the immortal Mae West, who once said, I've been rich and I've been poor. Rich is better. Our quip of the day comes from Jay Leno. It's actually several weeks old, but we just discovered it uh, yesterday. <laughs> it is as follows. Let's see if I can do a Jay Leno impression. I uh, don't know what uh, Mel Gibson's next project is going to be, but I think we can rule out Fiddler on the Roof. Now we got quite a chuckle in going through some of our archives here for material for this program and discovered uh, an article written uh, last year when uh, Republicans in California were somewhat disgruntled with Arnold Schwarzenegger because it seemed like he was going over to the Democratic side. They were looking to run um, another actor in his place for governor. And who were they looking at? Yes, 
Mel Gibson. We think at this point, uh, that one's probably pretty much out. But, uh, of course, over in Virginia, I don't know if you caught this one, uh, Senator George Allen, running for re-election in the state of Virginia, was asked in an election debate earlier this week about his immigrant mother's heritage. Uh, it, was, it was alluded that she might be of Jewish ancestry. Allen, during the debate, denounced the reporter's question as reprehensible and irrelevant and said he only recently learned that his maternal grandfather was Jewish. In the wake of that uh, question, Senator Allen confirmed that indeed he did have Jewish ancestry. But during the debate, he shot back at the reporter, My mother is French-Italian with a little Spanish blood in her. Why Senator Allen should be embarrassed about his Jewish ancestry uh, is unclear, but it's certainly apparently not sitting well with voters in Virginia. What was thought to be formerly a safe re-election seat for the Republicans is now up for grabs. And only yesterday did I run into this essay by Joel Stein in Time Magazine. We want to compliment Time Magazine later in today's program for some of the reporting that it's done lately. But this essay by Joel Stein titled, Maybe We Should Just Make Mel Happy, in the August 14th, 2006 edition of Time, we think is worthy of a few quotes. Said Mr. Stein, Most times when someone spouts off about how awful the Jews are, I blow it off as ignorance. If the guy just got to know us, he would totally dig us. We're funny and warm and smart and totally self-effacing. Our only problem is that with just 0.02% of the world's population, we can't do nearly as many personal appearances as we'd like. That's why we took over the media. But Mel knows us personally. He's been in Hollywood for more than 20 years, virtually surrounded by Jews. If Mel doesn't like us, maybe it's finally time to stop blaming everyone else for the bigotry and scapegoating and start to look at ourselves. As the old saying goes, if people hate you for a thousand years, you can blame them. If you're persecuted for 2,000 years, maybe you're unlucky. But if they still want to kill you after 3,000 years, you have to ask yourself if you're doing something wrong. So we Jews are going to have to make some slight adjustments to get on the world's good side. No more smiting our enslavers with locusts or refusing to convert during inquisitions or giving ourselves Oscars for Holocaust documentaries. We've got to up our likability and get on people's good sides. First thing we have to do, drop the chosen people marketing bit. It's not working. Not only is it not scaring people off, as it was designed to do, but it comes off as sort of arrogant. I'm suggesting we change our official slogan to just one of the guys or people who believe in most of your Bible or even people who, if history's a guide, are not among God's favorites. Stan goes on to say, we could do ourselves a lot of good by stopping our whole Protocols of the Elders of Zion plan. It's been more than 100 years since that book has been out and we have yet to come close to our goal of, I'm using the Iranian translation here, extracting from the hands of the Lord many stars and galaxies. In fact, we have yet to extract one single star or galaxy. Let's drop it. One of our methods of controlling the universe, according to the book, was to get people hooked on alcohol. And look how that backfired. That was Joel Stein writing in Time Magazine, a funny guy. We were going to give the whole arena issue a rest on this week's program after uh, Joe and Gavin Maloof pulled out of negotiations last week. 
disgusting, apparently, quite a few of their supporters in the local area. But I understand if Mr. McMillan is correct that we have right now on the phone, Joe Maloof is trying to call us. Joe Maloof on line one. Mr. Maloof, we'd like to thank you for coming on the program, and we'd like to, to, to ask you to express in your own words why it is you and your brother Gavin stormed out of negotiations with the city for the new arena. All right, fair enough. But we have to ask, why is it that uh, you and your brother feel you're entitled to all of the parking revenues for the new arena? All right. Well, do you see returning to the negotiating table anytime soon? Well... Thank you, Joe Maloof, for joining us here on Radio Parallax. We hope we can speak with you and your brother, Gavin, uh, sometime in the near future once again. All right, let's do the good, the bad, and the ugly. According to The Week magazine, last week was a good week for dogs after Wayne Passell, president of the Humane Society of the United States, proposed that in order to advance animal rights, people should start using the term canine Americans. On the other hand, last week was judged a bad week for Innovative incentives after Amanda Levelsberg of Pennsylvania was convicted of corruption of a minor for providing her 13-year-old son with marijuana to reward him for finishing his homework. And finally, it was an ugly week last week for oldies but goodies after passengers on an Air France flight filed suit against the airline claiming they were, quote, traumatized when the co-pilot invited 80s singing star Bonnie Tyler, who happened to be on board, to perform her smash hit, Total Eclipse of the Heart, Air France denies the impromptu concert endangered the flight in any way. While we here at Radio Parallax are tempted to agree with the passengers that they may have been somewhat traumatized by this event, we have to side with Air France and agree, you're not entitled to any compensation for this one, folks. The still unresolved question in our mind is, was this a suit filed in American courts, or are the lawyers in France having the same kind of field day they are here in the United States? Inquiring minds want to know, and if you know the answer to that, please send us the data at info at radioparallax.com. That's it for the good, the bad, and the ugly. And speaking of, uh, of feedback at info at radioparallax.com, we asked a few weeks back for some specific feedback, things people might like to see changed, and we're uh, continually gratified by the emails that are coming in, most recently from Steve W., who said, You wanted feedback on your show? I love your show. I listen to it by podcast. I love the timing of the show. The mix of humor and news is great. 
You should try to get syndicated on liberal Air America radio. Steve went on to note the only thing he didn't personally like was the sports stuff, but then again, he admitted to having no interest in corporate sports. He also expressed bafflement at our failure to get Bizarro. I guess we'll just have to take that up with uh, James Israel of the Comic Press News next time he's on the show. James, of course, brings you Bizarro by Peraro every month here in the greater Sacramento area. But uh, Steve closed with uh, keep up the good work and thanks, and we thank you for uh, contributing. Steve brings up a good point. We like to consider ourselves a variety show, maybe not quite like other things on Air America or anywhere else. We figure that if you don't like one segment, if you'll stay tuned, uh, well, surely the next segment will provide you with something uh, more to your liking. Please keep those emails coming to info at radioparallax.com. We're particularly keen to hear from you if you listen on podcasts, uh, as John does in the UK or uh, Tony in Serbia. We're every bit as glad to hear from people like Steve, who wrote us from right here in Davis, but we're intrigued by the power of the podcast to know that we are being heard across the Atlantic uh, uh, in, in Europe. And we, if anyone's listening in Asia, by all means, please drop us a line. Another interesting bit of email we received recently came from Pablo, writing from Eugene, Oregon, piece titled, Misperceptions, the Media, and the Iraq War. It was noted in this uh, forwarded piece that polling conducted by the Program on International Policy, PIPA, at the University of Maryland, and Knowledge Networks, showed that a majority of Americans have had significant misperceptions, and these are highly related to their support for the war in Iraq. An in-depth analysis of a series of polls conducted between June through September found that 48% of respondents incorrectly believed that evidence of links between Iraq and Al-Qaeda have been found. 22% incorrectly believed that weapons of mass destruction have been found in Iraq. And 25% incorrectly believe that world public opinion favored the U.S. going to war in Iraq. Overall, 60% had at least one of these three misperceptions. Such misperceptions were, furthermore, highly related to support for the war. Among those with none of the misperceptions listed, only 23% support the war. Among those with one of those misperceptions, 53% support the war, rising to 78% for those who have two misperceptions, and 86% for those with all three. For us, the most fascinating aspect of this poll was the fact that the frequency of Americans' misperceptions varies significantly depending upon their source of news. Not surprisingly, the highest percentage of respondents who had one or more of the three misperceptions were those who get their news through News Corp, i.e., Fox News. 80% of those people had one or more of those misperceptions. But somewhat surprisingly, not coming in too far behind Fox was CBS, owned by Viacom, where 71% of people who get their news from CBS had one or more misperceptions. ABC, owned by Disney, 61%. NBC, owned by General Electric, was tied with CNN, which is owned by AOL Time Warner, at 55%. 
you have to get to people who rely upon print sources to find a majority who had none of the three misperceptions. Those who relied upon print sources had none of the three, 53%, one or more of the misperceptions, 47%. But you have to get to people who get their news from NPR slash PBS to find a significant minority having only one of the misperceptions. Those who said they got their news from PBS or NPR had none of the three misperceptions. In 77% of the cases, only 23% had one or more misperceptions. I'm guessing, dear listener, that uh, this will not surprise you. It's obvious that uh, the corporate mainstream media has really uh, given the administration a pass on a lot of these misperceptions which they have actively promoted. Anyway, it's a short piece. We recommend you go on the web, pull it up, and read it, titled Misperceptions, the Media, and the Iraq War. One sidelight of the investigation was that they noted that while it would seem that misperceptions are derived from a failure to pay attention to the news, in fact, overall, those who pay greater attention to the news are no less likely to have misperceptions. Among those who primarily watch Fox, Those who pay more attention are more likely to have misperceptions. Only those who mostly get their news from print media have fewer misperceptions as they pay more attention. We're not sure whether in this case the print media included the internet, but on this program we made a point to recommend, dear listener, that you you not pay a heck of a lot of attention to what you see on television, that you go to the web, and that you also can rely upon PBS or NPR. And it goes without saying that we recommend highly you go to alternate news sources, the kind of thing you hear on this station, uh, the kind of thing you'll get from Amy Goodman's broadcast, and hopefully the kind of things you can get here on this very program. We're running short on time here, so let's take a break. I'm Douglas Everett. This is Radio Parallax. Coming up next, Mark Anderson and our talk uh, about the man who really wrote the works of William Shakespeare. 